to another episode of That's a Rap Podcast, Raptors podcast by fans, for fans. This is your guy, Dre. With me, we have Jay, one of the two Jays. Um, Jason is sitting out on this one, but he's going to be hearing this because he's going to be editing this. So thanks for all the hard work, Jay. And the reason why he's sitting out is because too many cooks can spoil a good broth. And that's because, who do we have with us, Jay? We've got some guests. we got some guests with us. Oh, hell yeah, we got some guests. And thanks for the for the introduction there. So yeah, it's uh, it's a special day tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday, April the 1st. This is not a joke. We've got some guests here to help us preview tomorrow's game. Actually, you'll be hearing this on Friday. So, so we're previewing tonight's game against the Golden State Warriors. And joining us from the Let's Go Warriors podcast, we've got Daniel Hardy and Thomas, Dr. Tom Bevilacqua. Guys, how are y'all doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for having us here. Um, been a long time since we talked. Um, I think the last time we talked was, uh, was that January? No, was, actually. Was it at the beginning of the season? Or last season? We we talked. I remember you guys were the first ones to invite me. Uh, you guys were the first ones to introduce me to Zoom. So that, that seems wow. like a long time ago. But it was actually <laughs> about like one week before the pandemic hit. So like that oh, was like the right. beginning of March. Raptors Warriors, I jumped on your pod, and I swear, I was like, what is this Zoom business? And now it's like, everyone uses it, so. Oh, that, yeah, that was before the game when uh, Steph came back. Uh, that was, you know, his, I think it was his oh, only yeah. game. He his only game in, of the season, yeah. Or his, of the, you know, after he got hurt in those first three games. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, uh, the uh, post-Dynasty days kind of run together for me. It feels like it was just yesterday we were talking, and then, you know, Corona hit and all that stuff. But, um, hey, got to get back, man. Yeah. And uh, we're glad to have you on. And, you know, we've got a lot to talk about here because, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, when I was prepping for this, I was thinking like, well, you know, we, we, we kind of followed, we as in the Raptors, kind of followed in the rap, in the Warriors' footsteps in terms of, okay, the Warriors won the, a few championships and, well, three, exactly. And, and Tor- Toronto's nowhere close to that, but we finally got our first and it felt like we won three, uh, the way we celebrated and the way we will continue to celebrate it. And then the Warriors got hit with some brutal injuries and last season was essentially thrown away. And I kind of feel like that's where the Raptors are headed as well. It feels like we are following in the Warriors' footsteps is where I'm getting at. But I'm going to use that as a lead-in into a question to our guests here in terms of so far, what are your thoughts on the Warriors so far? How are they doing this season? You know, kind of give, because a lot of our, our, our our listeners are obviously Raptors fans. Like, we want to get your your perspective. Like, how do you, how are you guys doing this year? And you know, what's the outlook like for the rest of the season for you guys? Well, Doctor Tom, um, I just want to start off uh, by answering Jay's question by saying that I think that the blueprint for how to follow the championship in failure was actually set uh, after the first championship by the Warriors. Because if you recall, we too had a max contract uh, small forward leave us. Uh, for uh, different uh, teams um, or team, I should say. And we too um, fell short of uh, winning the championship the next year. Now that that year after that, that's when we got Kevin Durant. And then this is your technically your get Kevin Durant year. Um, and I think you guys got Aaron Baines, which is kind of close. I mean, in a way, Gary Trent, don't forget Gary Trent, you know, <laughs> um, but it, it, it's in terms of like, you know, it's been what, seven years, no, it's, what, seven what? years since Steve Kerr took over. Um, and now we're looking at a season um, where Clay Thompson being out pretty much sabotages when you lose. I'm a future Hall of Famer and arguably the second greatest shooter in the history of basketball. 
um, that's a huge uh, uh, deficit to overcome. And quite frankly, um, I don't see the Warriors contending for championships just yet because, you know, like a, a great dish of food, they're just not ready yet. You know, leave them a, a little longer to, uh, in the oven to cook. Um, but I do feel very encouraged um, But what I'm seeing um, from some of our young guys. And, of course, uh, Steph and Dre continue to ball. So um, I'm hoping that we, you know, get in the playoffs and, uh, you know, keep a pretty good uh, draft pick. And I th- I think it's to kind of tie it back to the uh, Raptors experience. I kind of remember some of the stuff we, we all talked about uh, last season with the expectation for the Raptors and when it was kind of they were – beating the bad teams, the teams they're supposed to beat, but maybe weren't doing great against the good teams. And it kind of feels a little bit that way with a Clay Thompson less Warriors season where you're you, it's, it's it's kind of, you know, up and down. It's like they're not as good as you'd want them to be or expected them to be, but also they're still, you know, like a pretty good team and I'm a given night can beat some of the, you know, best opponents, uh best teams in the league. So I think there's this funny way in which that uh the first the post-championship year for you all when Kawhi had just left. Uh, it's kind of like this year where we are without Clay Thompson, but it's due to injury. Right. And and there's one name that I noticed that was was missing, and it's a name that I think, again, when we talked last year, it was shortly after the Warriors acquired Andrew Wiggins. Now, I, I don't <laughs> think I had any kind words to say at the time, but I'm I'm willing to, to say that, that I think my foot's in my mouth there because – Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's doing not too bad there. Not too bad. Daniel, <laughs> Mr. Gold-Blooded King, would you please tell, educate these people a little bit on the greatness we are seeing from one Andrew Wiggins now that he has been freed from the shackles of terrible basketball that is Minnesota? Freed, liberated. Um, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that you uh, weren't high on uh, Wiggins considering he is from Canada, I thought that you would have kept tabs on him and seen that this guy has some potential there. Now, obviously, uh, being in Minnesota, um, that team, that organization, if you if can't win a championship with Kevin Garnett and, and Kevin Love, I mean, what are you going to do with Big Cat, uh, Wiggins, uh, Levine, Butler? You, you're going to mess it up. Uh, and they're still messing yeah. it up. In fact, they, they not only passed on Steph Curry twice in the draft, okay, <laughs> but they gave us their draft pick for next year. And Wiggins for what for D'Lo, who you know I haven't seen him play much this year, but I don't think he's doing quite as well as Wiggins is. As we speak right now, we're in the third quarter of uh, Miami versus Golden State, and I believe Wiggins already hit five threes in the first half. Um, yeah. He's killing as we speak. Wiggins is killing, um, but it's not about often. Sure, shooting forty percent from downtown is pretty awesome. Um, I mean, he's also uh, an elite two way defender, as your boy Pascal Siakam found out when he tried to um, you know. Uh, get through Wiggins Island um, and got stopped at border uh, patrol um, because Wiggins <laughs> Island is where superstars offensive games go to die. Now, the unfortunate part about this is that no matter how well he plays, people will always say, he's got a mass contract. He's too overpaid. And, you know, um, the Warriors were in a, a tricky position after Kevin Durant left because with the, um, you know, salary caps tax implications there, it's really hard to add a new superstar. But if you can add a guy like Wiggins, sure, he's a mass contract player. Um, but when you figure out the fact that he's like, what, 26 years old, he's shooting 40% from three, he's an elite defender. I mean, how much are you willing to pay for an elite three and D guy. Now, um, I um, was wondering, this may be a crazy question, you know, especially for you guys um, in the Raptors world in the North, but is it me or is Andrew Wiggins on the same level as Pascal Siakam? (laughs) No, no. Uh, Well, uh, the the thing I will say about Andrew Wiggins is um, 
I don't know why the, the, the young Kevin Garnett fan in me when I was a teenager wants the Timberwolves to be good, so I'm happy paying attention. The one thing Andrew Wiggins right now is suffering from is is perhaps a bit of a consistency, a consistency thing. But do you blame him? The guy's been stunted for years. I think with this organization, he's going to continue to grow even more. So while I don't feel that way now, he could he could grow to be a better player. And he could grow to be exactly who he was supposed to be. And if that's the case, then the Warriors are frightening. And he's already showing signs of getting better. Like, is anyone calling him washed up or scrub? No, they're not. Not anymore. They're not saying that stuff anymore. And he's still really young. I mean, he's wasted a few too many years on a team that couldn't give him anything. But now he's free. As you said, now he is free. I think he's going to be frightening. I think the only thing I'll add in terms of context as to why uh, a lot of Canadians are not too big on Wiggins it's not so much that he was a, a number one draft pick that didn't quite live up to it initially. He's obviously starting to live up to that now. It's I think it's a bit of that is his reluctancy to help out Team Canada on the Olympic level. So he has actually shunned Team Canada several times. Um, he's he's turned down invites. He's um, can't remember. I've actually lost count of how many times he's he's turned down invites. And again, you you have we all have our, our preferences. And you know, if you if you want to stick with a team and they're the ones who are paying you, I get it. Um, you know, having to represent your country is is an honor, right? But because he's consistently turned that down, I think that's kind of soured the relationship with a lot of Canadians, which kind of sucks because you know he was supposed to be the the chosen one, as it were, right? Maple but, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, and I think that. The good thing about his situation in Golden State is that he doesn't have to be the number one player, which he was sometimes forced to play that role in Minnesota. And I think he's landed in a perfect situation. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm excited for him. It, and he's actually come around at least a little bit on me in terms of how he's turned around his game and, and fit in really well there. And, you know, I see I see a bright future for, for him there. And I, I'll be honest, I, I never really thought of him as a, you know, one of the elite three and D defenders but then again when when these teams last faced like you said right Wiggins was outstanding on defense so going back to your question about is he where he ranks or where he stands as a a Pascal Siakam comparison I haven't ever really given that thought and I probably should because yeah Wiggins is a pretty solid defender and yeah I don't know I, I I don't know how to answer that question I think Right now, I'd give a slight edge to Siakam, but Siakam has not played up to the level that we saw in the beginning of last season, the level that we saw the season before. So, you know, I think right now, I'd I'd probably lean towards Wiggins, but I think that as Siakam continues to grow, I think he has a a bit of a higher ceiling there. Uh, But I guess we'll see. You know, I've been obviously wrong about Wiggins before. But I think the main thing when you're bringing up Siakam is that... uh... Siakam is forced to be the number one option. Wiggins was relieved of that. He was relieved of being the, the, the one and the two. Now he's arguably 3-4, like especially when Clay is back. So that's giving him the room to grow and the confidence boost that he needed. Instead of having to carry a team on his back every time Cat's down, every time the team's dysfunctional over in Minnesota, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Siakam, on the other hand, was fantastic in the championship run. Kawhi left. They said, okay, well, Lowry's aging, so he's going to be the vet presence. Here's the key. Here are the keys. You're going to be the leader. And obviously, that's had a hit or miss result. In some instances, he's been fantastic. In some instances, 
it's been a disaster. So I don't know if we had a few options ahead of him that were like confidently a number one, because I can't say Lowry's confidently a number one option compared to Siakam because Lowry makes plays. He's like the guy who like takes charge from, from like the, from like the back lines, but it's like Siakam would finish his, or it was Powell who would finish. So um, it's a little bit different, you know, I feel like it's a little bit more distributed in that way, but like, I still feel like Siakam is still is still touted as like the face of the franchise, you know, who we're going to look to. So he still got that on his back. I don't know, you know, if we did the right thing and tried to get somebody, you know, during this uh, trade deadline, we could have gone in Vucevic, but we didn't. Uh, it, things would have been a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's my question, actually, because I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, when I was looking up uh, the comparison for Wiggins and Siakam's numbers this year, um, and uh, basketball reference, the first thing that popped up, get this, I'm going to quote this to you. This is like a random pop-up. I thought it was an advertisement, but it was like actual stat. It said, Pascal Siakam shot 14 of 17 from the field in game one of the 2019 NBA Finals. I was like, why are you showing me this? I don't want to see this. That, that breaks my heart. <laughs> but I, I remember thinking like during that at, at finals run, I kept saying to myself like, okay, you know what? We got Kawhi to worry about. We got, uh, you know, Lowry to worry about. You know, no, to, no, no, we didn't have Kyle Lowry to worry about. <laughs> we shouldn't be worried about it. He killed us. He killed us. That moment. Like, it, yeah, he killed us in the first quarter. Like, the rest of the game, not a problem. And then you had FVV, you know. There we go. Now, now the future, the future of your franchise. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet. Bandicoot. Yeah, we, we Getting, love him. You know, finals MVP votes from Hubie Brown. Um, and so when Pascal um, Siakam starts going off, on Draymond, like one-on-one getting through Draymond, it was like, whoa, who is this guy? Um, he looks like a monster. Now, what you just said about the uh, the miscast roles thing is so crucial because we've seen Wiggins, obviously not in the NBA Finals, but we've seen Wiggins go off and get 45 points. You know, mm-hmm. We've seen Wiggins go, go, go get 40 a, a couple times. And it was like, okay, what is it about this guy that um, we've seen the light go on and him just go berserk, but then other games kind of disappears there. And I think what you said is so perfect about that. It's about the role you play. When you're Pascal Siakam and it's your job to carry the load and your offensive tool um, kit isn't quite there yet, those same moves that um, got you an NBA championship as a third or fourth option, now as a number one, you're not getting uh, much daylight there. And so I guess my question to you is, when you're looking at his uh, his upside and what he brings to the franchise, I heard he just kind of coached out the uh, cursed out the coach recently. Yeah. Do you see this guy as the face of the franchise going forward, or are you like, okay, if we get a good deal, we'll look at it? Um, I have, I also have, um, I lean more towards Fred Van Vliet being the the face of the franchise. It's it's kind of a one A one B type of thing. Um, yeah. They're both are kind of you know if you look at who's getting paid the most, yeah, it's it's Siakam, but I think that Fred Van Vliet's leadership on and off the court kind of makes him the face of the franchise uh you know your to your point Siakam's this is his second time now this season where he's had some sort of a verbal spat with Nick Nurse and that's not a good look if you're going to be the face of the franchise whereas Fred Van Vliet you know I've I've had the honor of of having media access and you know from talking to those who have a, a lot more access I hear the same story and that is Fred Van Vliet is the only guy in that locker room who will give an interview to anyone who approaches him. It doesn't matter who you are. He'll give you the time. Um, Whereas other players, sometimes they'll make the excuse. Sometimes they'll talk to you. It depends on their mood. But Fred Van Vliet is consistent. So 
from an off the court standpoint, easily it's Fred Van Vliet. On the court, I think we see that sometimes, right? And as Lowry slowly passes the torch over to Van Vliet, I think we're in good hands there. So to me, Fred Van Vliet's the face of the, the franchise, the future of the franchise. Um, and I think we're just missing, not just missing, but there is there is that number one component still missing that we haven't regained since Kawhi left. And you know, Siak, that's where Siakam kind of slots in, right? As that number two, number three scorer. And that's where he can really thrive when the, the attention is not all on him. On him. I, I wonder if, because I remember uh, kind of having similar thoughts going into the um, those 2019 finals and Siakam was probably the, the biggest surprise um, for me because I expected Fred Van Fleet to ball out. Um, but what I wonder is, do you get kind of now having, I guess, like, a you know, almost two seasons since that, that, that finals run, was that... Um, is what we're seeing like is this the is this PS Pascal Siakam and what we saw then was this sort of overperforming so it's a regression to the mean um is it uh, you know you, you I, I I'm inclined to think sort of along the lines that you do that it's just the kind of nature of his game maybe you're asking him to do too much but uh, I do wonder because he was probably you know the one of the bigger surprises from that tw- from that 2019 finals and how well he played and how big of an impact he had. Uh, if that, if that just maybe set him up and I know he played well into the next season, but if that set him up a little too high uh, and that this kind of slight regression to where he actually would be uh, is kind of what we're witnessing now. But because I want to throw that to you because you guys are obviously spending a lot more time watching him than I am. Um, that's a very interesting point. I think when, Whatever team it was, Warriors, Bucks, whomever, when they're trying to shut down Kawhi, and then you've got Lowry bringing the ball up. Siakam is so nimble and so quick that when you're guarding those two guys, and then you've got to worry about Fred Van Vliet, who's like now shooting these threes, and like, I don't know if you guys remember, Van Vliet was having a terrible playoffs before, I think it was um, the Bucks series, actually. The guys, no, I, don't, I don't remember that yeah. at all. I don't remember it's that at all because all I remember was him giving us buckets. Yeah, when, after his kid was born. And his kid exactly. Him. Yeah. Exactly. After his kid was born, game three, that's where he went off. And he hasn't he hasn't turned back since. So um, the, the the point is, like, once he started to, like, you know, open it up a little bit more, because, like, Lavica shoot threes, but Van Vliet is, like, our three-point shooter, our elite three-point shooter that we have. So when Can that, Lowry shoot threes? He's having yes. a bit of a regression this year. You are so yeah. disrespectful, Dr. <laughs> okay, he can shoot threes, but when I'm talking to a Warriors fan base, no, no, he can't. But in general, he can shoot threes, but he's not Clay Thompson or, or Stephen Curry or Andrew Wiggins or, or Durant. Keep going. Or Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Stand yourself up here, Dre. Is he Draymond Green? <laughs> no, no, he's not Draymond Dream- Green. Okay, Draymond Green is worse. I can at least say that. So, <laughs> anyway, point is when you have that, and like I would consider Van Vliet a surprise. You'd have an additional surprise with with Siakam, who again, if you're guarding La- or Leonard, if you're guarding Lowry, and you have this 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 tall, lanky guy who can like just like sprint and like, okay, now the infamous spin. He, he was, like, unstoppable at first, but then you make him into a, a number one option, the face of the franchise, because he had such a great playoff performance. Make him number one. And keep in mind, he wasn't a, a basketball player first. He was a soccer player who, like, got into it because 
I guess because of his height, he was asked, like, hey, do you want to do this? So he hasn't been playing that long, if you really think about it. Like, since his, what, what is it, Jay, his late teens? Yeah, he's into, I think, only his eighth year of playing any kind of basketball. Yeah. Eighth so, or ninth, something so like that. So, like, when he was, like, 18 or something. So you consider all of that and the fact that he's won a championship, so he's obviously feeling really good. And now he's the number one option. All of this stuff worked before. Let's try it again. You can talk about that tire spin move he's trying. You know, that or, like, some of his other moves. Because, you know, at first, you know, people, he was the number one option. They were still getting used to it. But now there's no there's no Leonard. He's, like, the number one option. Yeah, we still have Van Vliet and stuff. But, like, the, the way I see it, everybody caught on. And once you catch on and you only have one move, guess what? You're going to get stopped every freaking time. It's like, you know, when Hipper, when people figured out Roy Hipper, he went from all-star to nothing. <laughs> I'm just you know saying. What? I'm so glad you brought that up because me and Dr. Tom are the most fake Hibbert stands to ever be in your life. Like, like we, we joke all the time in, in our works like about Hibbert was the thing keeping LeBron from a championship. Because <laughs> we take a look, because you take a look at the big men today, and you're just like, man, Roy Hibbert was out there anchoring a. a a tenacious defense and actually, you know, did some things offensively. Meanwhile, uh, your Rudy Gobert gets like all kinds of pats on the back from a bunch of uh, people on uh, Twitter with uh, Excel open and uh, can't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have one offensive move. His offensive move is just being tall. The wow. <laughs> Those are all facts though. I mean, you can't lie. I, I, I please show me the lie. I think at this stage, the Raptors would 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 happily sign Roy Hibbert. They would need any kind of. I would say but... damn right we would give us Roy. <laughs> Wait, who's your shipping right now? Uh, we don't have one. No, actually, <laughs> I believe, I believe the starter, the starter at center over the last several games has been OG Ananobi. Did you get um, out? Is that Aaron Baines' job? Who? It was. Aaron... Oh, y'all cold. Y'all real oh, cold. Y'all real cold. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't put this on. Before we get into the center discussion, let me just wrap up my my thoughts on the whole Siakam thing. In terms of the question about whether this is a, a regression to the mean or if his he initially kind of overperformed, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that he does. I don't think that he's ready yet to shoulder the load of being the number one scorer. Yeah. But I also think that he is not as bad as he currently looks, and how definitely not as bad as he looked in the bubble. He is still him and and Fred VanVleet and OG Ananobi are still actually recovering from contracting COVID. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, And I'm not trying to make excuses here. I just think that there are, that Pascal Siakam has shown spurts of being, especially when he is focused. And I know that that's such a silly thing to ask of a player, considering you're getting paid millions of dollars, that he still has lapses in focus. But when he is locked in, he is a very, solid defender and he can score with the type of aggression that you look for in a number one score he just doesn't put it together and on a consistent basis so again i i don't think he so much as overperformed during that finals run but i do think that he's a lot better than what he's currently showing yeah i agree and no he's not as bad as roy hibbert that was just a comparison But, but I'm, again, I'm glad that we brought up the centers because I think that where we're currently going with this is that, uh, you know, and we've kind of hinted that the, where the, the Raptors simply just don't have that help up front. And, you know, with, with OGN and Obi and Pascal Siakam kind of running center right now with this uh, eternal small ball lineup, the Raptors playoffs chances are slim to none, I guess you could say. Like, yeah, we're, we're currently 11th place. We're only one spot out of the play-in game. But who really wants to go for that when... You've got this 
outstanding draft class waiting on waiting on board. Um, actually, you no. Know, before I go into the whole draft class uh, conversation, uh, what I want to say about the playoffs is that right now, Dre, you can disagree with me if you want, but I think that the 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 path to success for the Raptors, if they want to get there quicker, uh, is to just miss the playoffs. I'm not of saying we should tank. I'm just saying that. This draft class is pretty damn good. Yeah, if we made the playoffs and we faced, God forbid, like a Chicago or somebody like, you know, like like a team that's like in the East, but they're not as good as like the top contenders. And we get our we get our ass kicked with like Aaron Baines for the world to see. I don't want that. Just just tank and let's <laughs> do better next year. And then to that end, uh, you know, kind of go, going full circle with this Aaron Baines thing, then I'm all for playing him at center. Because go ahead and, and lose these games. I'm fine with that. And it's, it's hard for me to say because, you know, I, I'm seen as someone who's very optimistic and glass half full. My glass half full approach right now is let's just try to fade for Cade. But having said that, where do you guys stand as Warriors fans? Because you are in a very interesting position where whereby you're, you're possibly getting a pick as high as number four, thanks to the Wolves, as we mentioned earlier. And... You also are in a great position of like, I think, believe right now you're in ninth. So you're in a prime position and Curry just got back. So having lost the the last four games without Curry, now that he's back, you've won one and things are looking good. So where, where do you guys stand on, on, I guess, the playoff prospects of the Warriors as well as your draft prospects? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you, these things can't be totally governed by... Uh, you know, fan reaction and stuff. But I think for the Warriors, for their expectations, even when t- with taking into account that Clay Thompson was going to be out for this entire season, it would still be a, you know, the, the, you, you want to make the playoffs, basically. Like, the fan base, w- I think, would be upset, and somewhat rightfully so, uh, if you don't make the, the play-in tournament. Um, you know, the, the West is probably about, you, you, you should be, it's about, Ten, I'd say like you've got 10 solid teams where it's like, okay, these are about the 10. So you should be, if you have a player as good as Steph Curry, you ought to be making it into that, at least into that play in tournament. Um, also just, this is more sort of personally, or, you know, as I'm yeah looking at this draft class and kind of thinking about it, uh, you know, you have the potential of that Minnesota pick if it's, outside of the top three, uh, which, you know, has a potential to be another, uh, you know, kind of franchise changer elite, uh, elite player but then yeah the possibilities of that uh kind of middle you know uh, just outside the lottery wherever it's going to be a uh, pick that you could get while still making it into the uh the playing tournament uh is still has the potential to be a very good player i was looking at some of the people in kind of that range where the warriors right now are looking to be picking and you look and you know, this is again my own personal biases showing um as i'm sure we talked we've talked about i'm a university of texas alum so i'm very you know interested in them and they have a player uh, greg brown who's sort of slotted into uh might be available might be even a little later in the first round than where the warriors would be picking um but uh is somebody who could be a really kind of a at the very least a good solid rotation piece starting piece on a good team and you have him potentially sitting in a place where you could draft him even after you're making the making it into the play in tournament so uh, i i kind of see what you're you're saying in terms of what the raptors should do and what their approach should be but i think for the warriors it just there's no upside uh to uh kind of going for a um you know tanking or kind of you know take taking your foot off of the gas. I think it benefits 
whether you can go from, you know, keeping fans happy, uh, get revenue, whatever that is, you know, that's obviously all sort of complicated by uh, COVID, but then to getting players like a James Wiseman, like a Jordan Poole, you know, it would be good for them to at least play in one playoff series i think you know we look at that 2013 playoffs uh you know sort of this coming out party for stuff and it was one where people said oh maybe they'll make a little and what they did end up doing but that's still that was the springboard for this great dynastic run i think the warriors it's funny they're in somewhat similar spots in the standings in their respective conference with the raptors but i think the warriors it they shouldn't playoffs and want to make the playoffs whereas for the Raptors I can see the kind of calculus behind okay we're gonna tank or take the foot off the gas or just go with a really youth forward and try to develop some players etc etc I can see why they would want to do that I'll just gonna say quickly the main difference is that the Warriors have signs of promise plus with Clay coming back eventually that'll be amazing the Raptors they don't look like they have a snowball's chance in hell of surviving. So that's the main difference. And the war. No, no. The main difference is that we're, we're not. I, I get what you're saying about the Warriors. They, you definitely don't want to like waste the fans' money by tanking. And I'm never. I've never been a fan of tanking. But mm-hmm. the Raptors are not wasting anyone's money. They're not even in Toronto. So yeah, that's also true. Ahead. If there's a time to tank, yeah. go ahead and do it. This yeah. is the one year I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, that is very specific. When else could that happen? This doesn't bode well for growing uh, professional basketball in the state of Florida further than it already is, but uh, I digress. No, it, it can even be you can do sort of a like, um, I don't know what you call it, like a tanking without tanking, because I think if you, you know, have players who are young and you kind of want to see uh where it is or where they're at and i I think you know some of the moves um at some point i want to ask about what seems to be the logic behind the acquiring gary trent um kind of what that's about but i think like if you give these guys you know run you see where they're at and if you know you you win that's good and you maybe make a run you get some experience but even if you're losing you're still okay you're getting them seasoning sorry talking about them like they're chicken or something uh but you get you know get them experience and uh that can be good too so it's like there's a tanking without tanking but i you know the 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 warriors perfected this uh in uh 2012 uh you you know i'm gonna make sure daniel's listening because i'm gonna praise mark jackson for navigating that season and then (laughs) in 2013 getting us to the playoffs but uh yeah i yeah i you know exactly there is something to be said about the the weirdness of this season for why you might be okay with or be at peace with it not being successful or as successful as maybe you imagine because you're not you know you guys aren't even playing in your home arena and there's not fans in a bunch of the arena you know and it's all just weird and so on and so forth so you're just like yeah why not well i think that the raptors um are showing the rest of the league the cost it takes to win um, they paid a very high cost for that. They lost Kawhi Leonard. They spent all of Kyle Lowry's career. They <laughs> had to leave their country because of COVID. I mean, uh, winning that championship um, took so much um, out of the franchise. I mean, obviously, COVID, uh, them leaving uh, uh, Toronto isn't, you know, how to win a championship. But it is tied to, like, the effects of uh, competing at a very high, high level. If you don't have um, your home city with you, 
you're probably going to lose. Um, it's tough to win unless you're, you're home cooking. Um, mm-hmm. But additionally, I think, I don't know if you guys have seen the new uh, Justice League uh, movie, the uh, or sorry, the, the recut. The, the Zack Snyder, Snyder yeah. I, okay, I, I okay. haven't seen Justice League. I've been doing Oscar-related stuff, but I'm not a big Zack Snyder fan. Spoil away. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Basically, at the very end of it, you know, um, you know, the 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 evil team's whole plan was Steppenwolf was to you know come and get the mother boxes, et cetera, et cetera, and it failed. You know, the the Justice League got them. You know, and Steppenwolf was sacrificed. But at the very end of it, you look at Darkseid when he's staring out at the, at the Justice League, like, uh huh, okay, I see what I got to do now. That's where the Warriors are now. Before Clay Thompson um hurt himself, turned that ACL, sorry that. Uh, this year, I say Achilles this year. Before Clay got hurt, do you realize that this team was expecting to win a championship this season? They were mm-hmm. expecting to win a championship yep. now. Yep. For them to lose Clay Thompson and be knocked down to, well, you're probably gonna make the playoffs. It was like, okay, this team has so much um, potential going forward with the draft picks, but they have so much firepower right now. Can you imagine what Eddie Williams is gonna look like when you can't keep your eye on him to get to worry about Steph and Clay and Dre? Like. He's killing now. What's he going to do then? I mean, James Wiseman, um, we talked to his trainer, and he said, uh, you know, he's got the um, future capabilities of a David Robinson or Anthony Davis or even better. Wow. And this kid's 19 years old and only played three games in college. I mean, he's basically a high schooler coming out. He's already playing better than KG and Anthony Davis did when they were, you know, young rookies. This guy, with Clay Thompson, with that spacing, I mean, the potential is through the roof. So now you say, okay, well, Clay, you can't play. Now the Warriors are stuck having another MVP-type season from Steph. Dre's still good. And now they've been able to implement all these new players without having to worry about giving Clay his touches. These guys were forced to play defense without Clay Thompson. So now the pressure has been on them to kind of fill those shoes. And, of course, no one can fill you know, Clay's shoes. But the pressure and the lessons they learned through um, a season where everyone, hey, everyone still hates the Warriors. Everyone's still out to get the Warriors because the last five years we gave them all the business, whatever it was. So now... Can you imagine? It's like every game is like a playoff game in a way for these young guys, these new guys. Then you bring Clay back and you get a draft pick. Now, all the optimism and excitement you hear in my voice isn't exactly shared by a lot of members, vocal members of Warriors Twitter. And you guys may have heard that. It was just, I want to segue um, possibly into asking about the fan base's perspective of what's going on right now. Because for the Warriors fan base, um, depending on who you talk to, you can either get my and Dr. Tom's perspective, which is just, hey, you know, do your best. Because uh, worst come to worst, you get Kentucky back next year, and you're looking at the start of another dynasty, possibly. Or you're saying, oh, my gosh, this team is 22 and 25. I can't believe the Steve Kerr can't coach, run some more pick and roll. We need Mark Jackson back because he can take bad players and make him win. It's this, this like parallel universe where the Warriors are supposed to be like, you know, as good as the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets are. And I, I'm just wondering. I know it's because of uh, three championships. It messed this up. It made us spoiled. Y'all got the one championship. How are the fans doing in Toronto? Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> it's uh, it's just as dire. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because there, I, I think that there's not enough attention being paid to really the mental toll of not being in your home city and home arena, right? And not mm. going home to your bed. Mm-hmm. It is staying in hotels. It is like for over a year now, right? They have been on this perpetual road trip 
since last playing March 1st, I believe. Like actually the last time I was on your podcast, they were on this road trip. They've never come back to Canada. <laughs> and that's how long it has been. And there is- That's what you, you know, get for beating us. That's what you get. The rewards <laughs> will always haunt you in your dreams. That's a price that I would happily pay. But I will say this. So there is that mental toll, right? That this is playing on the players. And there are a, a large portion of the fan base is- is really upset with how this team is being run and how how they're playing and they're even like you know Masai Ujiri is held in such a high high standard that even he's now getting the 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 brunt of it because you know he still hasn't picked up a center and game after game the raptors get killed on the offensive glass and game after game they just they they don't we have, have no enough perimeter pieces defense there. either there's no there's no depth actually perimeter defense i'm fine with it's it's the it's the offensive rebounding that they, we it's just get killed atrocious. night after night yeah right oh, so you guys are spoiled that's right you guys had mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka <laughs> rebounding yeah. every damn thing you guys miss i'm sorry go on i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> no but it it's to that point right that like the the fan base is really hard on the raptors when really it's like Let's like we just won a championship two years ago. This team, the core is really solid. What we're going to see probably now is to what you guys were talking about earlier, and and giving the young guys some extra PT because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that they're developed for next year's run, right? It's it, the the ceiling is not going to be as high as what the Warriors' ceiling is going to be next year, but the ceiling will be much better, much 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 better, even just playing back in Toronto and that's that's kind of a fingers crossed thing right now because our numbers are not great but ideally when these Raptors come back to playing at home you're going to see a totally different squad in terms of just the vibes the vibes are just going to be incredible so kind of going back to your question about the the fan bases it's it's not good and generally speaking there are some of us who believe that okay well let's kind of flip the switch here let's let's move our mentality from this is a possible playoff uh, disruptor to okay we don't have the pieces we don't have the depth we don't have the rebounding so let's kind of look forward make sure that the young guys get some playing time get some run in similar to what you're talking about with the warriors but make sure that they get that run in so that when next season starts that they are ready to go they understand the sets and you know we can kind of start anew next year well, and I think uh, it's sort of in the same way that, you know, you do, you, talk, you talk about getting spoiled and, you, and, and obviously with the Warriors with the, the three championships, like that's, yeah. That, that How many championships was it, Tom? I didn't hear you. What did you say? How uh, many was it? It's uh, more than two and less than four. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Uh, so, but, but, so, you know, and, but we're, t- you know, talking about the, you know, ju- that, just that uh, 2019 title for the Raptors, but it is worth mentioning and uh, it'll probably lead to me getting some jokes about how lebron took all uh, your collective uh, city slash country's lunch money uh, but they were you know a consistent playoff team they were at the top of the east uh, for many years and to have it be like this year where you're you know not in the in the playoffs and trending towards the bottom like that's gonna be a big shock even though you have to grant how exceptional in you know in a bad way this this season is and especially like you you guys pointed out that it's just been this perpetual road trip but it's not just for i think the raptors fans it's probably not just the you know that it's not 2019 but it's you know you you had this this great you know extended run that culminated in this title and i think that's why uh you know or one of the reasons why there is such the celebration uh for the 
in Toronto was so great. It's because it was like all of these other coming up short and things didn't work out. And then it finally built to this title. But, you, you know, now you're really far away from that, at least this season. And so that's going to, you know, have leave a lot of people probably not feeling uh, too great. That's a great partner. You know, I didn't think about that. I mean, if you look at like, you know, who's won the most games at the same time as the Warriors were, I think the Raptors were number two. Like the Raptors were winning a ton of games. I'm like kicking a yeah. lot of butt. Just not when they played against LeBron, so that wasn't like the Warriors. Hey, man, look, LeBron's <laughs> very tough to beat. That's why we couldn't do it every single time. <laughs> Even baldness couldn't beat him. That's what's wow. most impressive. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's not giving up. Well, I guess my, my question is, after seeing that run um, of so many years straight in the playoffs and just, you know, being a real powerhouse as far as getting wins, when you look at what the team accomplished post-Dwayne Casey, you know how it is with these, um, you know these, these teams. Coaches can get fired all the time. Coaches get fired quick, especially if there's any kind of friction or animosity. Although I don't know the inside details with uh, Nick Nurse and Siakam. Let's say that after this terrible season, you know maybe next year isn't the hottest start, and Nick Nurse is in on on a hot seat. Things of that nature. My question is, how are you looking back at Nick Nurse's tenure with the team so far? I'm thinking he's done a fantastic job. I think what's going on right now is. A number of things. Uh, A big one is Masai took a gamble, tried to bring in Giannis. He didn't solve the center position because he thought that was going to get solved. It didn't. So, uh, you know, and everyone wants to give, as as Jay pointed out, everyone wants to give Masai all all this flack. Look, you you take big gambles. Not all of them are going to work out. This happened once. How many other things has he done? So I'm not too sour about it. But meanwhile, um, Nick Nurse has to, like, figure out Oh crap! How do we play without us? Like, uh, like somebody in the in the center position who we can rely on outside of like somebody like Boucher. But like, we lost uh, Gasol and we lost Ibaka, so it's just it's not even close to the same thing. And even the best coaches can only do so much. Like Popovich last year, first time he didn't make the playoffs in how many in however many years. So, uh, so coaches can only do so much. And I feel like. When we have the right pieces, things are going to look a lot better. Because, like, at the end of the day, I don't know how many Raptors games you watch, especially if they're not facing the Warriors, but we're, we we suck a lot. But at the same time, there's a lot of really good stuff. Like, OG is growing. We, we're seeing what Van Fleet's looking like in the leadership position. We're seeing some really positive stuff. We're losing a lot. A lot of it is terrible. But at the same time, there are glimpses of something that's really good. And part of that is coaching. I will say that we're seeing a lot of more questionable things from Nick Nurse than ever before. But when we had a great team, Nick Nurse was like untouchable. You know, won a championship, won coach of the year right afterwards but once Kawhi left. The guy was really, really good. And I still think he's really good. But again, you can only do so much if your team just has like no chemistry or, you know, it's missing too many pieces. Yeah, I think a lot of that falls more on, you know, the the roster construction, right? And again, that that's a that's this has been a bad year in terms of what Masai has done in terms of I think he's struck out on a lot of his off-season pickups. But at the end of the day with with Nick Nurse's legacy, I mean, he tries different things because he's that kind of experimental coach and that's something that Dwayne Casey never did, really. So, you know, I think his his legacy is set, you know, even if if this season ends up being a lost season, even if they start off next season slow. I think that that Nurse has is forever going to be ingrained as the coach that brought us a championship, and I think that that's fine. You know, I'm 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 happy with him as our coach. I, I know that he's kind of you know when you get a championship, you kind of earn a longer leash, right? So 
Um, I don't know if that was the same case in Golden State last year where, you know, they obviously were beset with a lot of injuries. Were were people calling for, for Steve Kerr's head or, yes. or with Yeah? Oh, uh, I mean, now, granted, I'm just talking about some uh, noisy, uh, misguided folks on uh, certain social media websites Tell that him, are Dr. bad. Tom. Tell them, Dr. Tom. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, there was people calling for complaining about him and stuff in, like, 2019 when they're making a run to the finals because it's like it couldn't be as – they're not saying it's not as good as it could be. But, yeah, no, it's – it's it's bit, you got a little it, – it's probably – it's funny. It's probably been more – this year than last year just because last year without Steph you just knew the team was not going to be as good as it could be uh, and to really do anything but now you got Steph back but obviously no clay but yeah no there is a significant uh I would say significant uh small but significant but incredibly loud segment of the Warriors pop uh, fan base, especially online, uh, that wants Steve Kerr to go. So, Why? I mean, it, it, that is shocking. Be, it's, it's because they're not very bright. Respects, uh, for um, what Steve Kerr has created and what Steve Kerr has created along with Steph Curry and Draymond Green uh, and Clay Thompson, of course. But what they created there um, goes beyond stats, even though they broke every single record you could think of. What they created there was a sense that players 1 through 12 could be expected to step up in a moment of crisis and get the job done in addition to the overwhelming talent they had because they share the ball and they play tight-knit together. So the, the defense is strong, the offense is unpredictable, and then you have these you know three future Hall of Famers with you. So now, you know over the years, uh, we, me and Dr. Tom joke about it a lot, but you had Nick Young, you know, a guy who didn't have the best uh, regular season with the Warriors one time here. But in the, the playoffs, I'm pretty sure he was locking up James Harden in uh, Game 6 and Game 7 off the bench, hitting clutch three. So Came up with big shots and played good defense. That That's an example of how Steve Kerr, being a former role player, I don't know if anyone's seen The Last Dance, you know, Michael Jordan's documentary, Steve Kerr had his own episode. The man understands as a role player how to get everybody involved, but he's also seen a Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. He's seen a Tim Duncan. He knows when it's time to get the stars going. But the fan base looks at it like, well, LeBron James and four trash cans can, you know, I look, I don't want to say this, but Dr. Tom's here, so I have to say it. LeBron at four trash cans could knock out the best Toronto Raptors team ever, right? You you said that, right? <laughs> because LeBron is so good. They think Steph Curry should be able to lift his teammates up in that same way. Now, obviously, Steph Curry um is probably maybe the best in the league at um, you know, lifting up teammates as far as elevating their play. Maybe LeBron's right there. But there's a certain um mix he has to play in. And yep. in order to get that mix going, you have to play Steve Kerr's way. And I think the fans think we should do high pick and roll every single time, like NBA 2K. And number one, when we've tried it, we've lost. Um, but number two, Steve Kerr would rather lose a game and get Kelly Oubre a better understanding. Andrew Wiggins is a great example of this. He's got Andrew Wiggins playing much better. Why? Because, hey, Andrew, we need you. You're getting the ball, buddy. You're going to get the ball. So you're going to get so often in this offense. Eventually, you're going to do something with it. We're going to trade you. There, and there's a latitude for that. And the you know the the Raptors fans you know the we've that that is the you know they have seen and know like this example of what happens when it's just sort of 
spam Steph. That was that game three where Steph went nuts and they still, you know, we still lost pretty convincing, convincingly to the Raptors. And that I was think so that, heartbreaking. Was, that was a very heartbreaking game. For was, I, was that the, was that the first appearance of the boxing one too? I can't remember. It, it showed up no, at the end of game two. So then they reused it. And they were like, oh, there's this janky defense. Let's, uh, you know, let's run that. Curry was getting his, but no one else was getting anything. I was like, wait a minute. Nick Nurse is a genius? <laughs> <laughs> now, I could be talking out of my ass, but I feel like a big reason. Uh, I know I gave a Dream on Green flack earlier, but that's just for a three-point three shot. I, in general, you could ask Jay. This is entirely true. I'm not, I'm not kissing butt over here. I am actually a very big fan of Draymond Green. I love his fundamental play. I love his his on-court wisdom. I feel like because of Steve Kerr, he's as good as he is. I feel like on another team, he would have been stifled. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know where, where to take that one because uh, he is – I know he says that he's the greatest defender of all okay, time. Okay, he, he talks a lot of crap, put... and people take him too seriously. He's obviously <laughs> no, like, come on. He's actually – I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – I'm not going to say that If you listen is, to his, like, sports analyses, he's a much different person on court, and he's talking in the media. It's a different Draymond. Thank you for that Draymond love, by the way. We, we, we get it so rarely. I, I honestly, like – I think because – and I don't know if Doc Tom's going to like this, but like I, I see him as like the Kyle Lowry of the team. And, and that's only because Uh-oh. he Whoa. irritates. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He I like this. Irritates, I like this. He will irritate the other fan bases, but he is absolutely on this ridiculously high pedestal by his own fan base. And that's rightfully so, right? I mean, I think you don't see the value of him until he's playing for your team. Now, the reason why I bring this up is only because, you know, when, when Kyle Lowry was in that All-Star game last year, some fans got to experience the Kyle Lowry experience. Him taking charges during an all-star game, that's the kind of stuff that the Raptors fans eat up every single game. That's why we love him. But then you don't experience that if he's not on your team. But at least during that all-star game, some fan bases got to experience that. And I think they got a little taste of it. So, again, I'm not saying that he's the same as Draymond Green. I'm just saying there are fans that don't like Kyle Lowry. Taking charges in an all-star game, the Kyle Lowry experience. Like, I, I just – you guys want a title. It doesn't have to be this sad. Come on. Dr. Tom, Dr. Tom, <laughs> they're giving us a compliment about Draymond Green. They're the first interviewers we ever had do that. Well, I'm serious. No one's ever gave a child to Draymond. Look, if they can give Draymond the most hated player in Warriors history some love, maybe it's more hated than Spreewell. I don't know. Yeah, but – <laughs> but they do it saying something as disrespectful as "Oh, he's your, you know, he's your team's Kyle Lowry." Well, I, I mean, didn't that'd say like, that. <laughs> that'd be like that'd be like if I said, "Oh, he's your team's Bob Sir or something." Oh, whoa, okay, whoa, come, whoa, on, whoa, come whoa. on, come on. Kyle Lowry is an all star <laughs> and a champion. Okay, we gotta give him some love. We gotta give Kyle some love. The, the man All-NBA. can hoop. Do I like his game? Absolutely not. But guess what? If I was guarding Kyle Lowry, he would take my soul on my body. So I can give respect. Because I've used up my uh, Kyle Lowry slander for the 50 year old Kyle Lowry would tear my ACLs out with one crossover. (laughs) No, no, he just bump you with his big ass and you'd fall over and they'd snap like that. that, that, That's what he'd do. I'll I'll save you. I'll save you future Kyle Lowry talk. We'll actually talk about Norm. I think you guys want to talk about the Norm Powell trade, but, you know, we got to head to break. So why don't after the break, we'll talk about the Norm Powell trade and we'll we'll save you any more Lowry Draymond Green talk. All right.
That you were able to finally admit that Kyle Lowry's fantastic. Just do it on the air next time. Oh, we're back. Okay, so uh, welcome back. To the- How dare you? <laughs> no, you you don't need to pretend anymore. You don't need to pretend anymore. The world knows. I just like get, getting my secrets out there. You know, that's very Drake of you all. You like oh, him and no. his big ass. His big ass play. <laughs> Anyway, welcome right. back. <laughs> Before the break, I promised that we would uh, not talk about Kyle Lowry. So obviously, we're off to a great start. Oh, there, I, yeah, I, I believe, I believe Daniel want to talk about the the Powell trade. I believe you 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 want to mention something about that. So I'm going to bring it up here. And yes, the actually no, I'll I'll, I'll throw this over to you, Daniel. I think you had a question about Powell and Trent. Yeah, I did. Um, okay, so I didn't, and this is just me as someone who doesn't watch a lot of um, you know Raptors basketball. When I saw Norman Powell, I was like, okay, serviceable bench, 3 and D-ish type player. But, you know, eh, not that special. But he's, you know, he he can eat up some minutes for you. I'm like a, you know, like a middle reliever in baseball. He'll get you three or four good innings, you know, in a jam. But when I see what this guy is doing now, <laughs> flame throwing and hitting daggers, um, I realized that this dude was actually super good. Yeah, and he must have been good already for the Raptors to be as good now. What was it like seeing a a, a key guy like for, for for me personally when I I think of like what Nick Young did that uh, one year for like you know two games in the, in the playoffs? Norman Powell has been doing that you know the whole time. What's it like having such a key role player off the team? Well, it's really tough because um, we brought him up earlier, Fred VanVleet, when we won the finals. He was like the one guy that got like the other uh, finals MVP vote. If we finished on the Bucks series, I feel like that would have been Norman Powell. I mean, I don't know how far we would have gone without him because when we were stuck in a rut, Storm and Norman came out to play and he was just like crazy. The thing with Norman Powell is, does he have some off games? Yeah. So do most superstars that aren't Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or, you know, like robots who like you can't get to them. So when it comes to like Norman Powell, God, when he's on, he's on. He's got like that Mamba mentality. Uh, he like he just even if he's not playing well, he's just gonna do whatever it takes to like be be a presence to his team. And it sucks that he's gone. Frankly, like uh, Trent so far has has looked pretty good actually, and you know he's younger, so that that's a benefit as well. But Norman Powell wasn't a scrub. He wasn't a liability. The only liability he was was. Hey, if we want to have some some money freed up next year, we gotta keep him. We gotta let him walk. So oh, that was it. Yeah. That's basically it. Like if it was strictly from talent alone, and we could afford to keep him, God, no, we would never get rid of him. The guy's fantastic. Yeah, the the thing with not having you know what I'm gonna throw this this stat out. I've said it on this pod previously. I'm gonna throw it out because of our guests, and you're gonna hate it. But <laughs> the numbers that he's pulling together this year, when he was playing for the Raptors, obviously they've dipped a little bit since in his first three games of Portland. But 
20 points, 50% shooting, 40 from three, almost 90%, almost 50, 40, 90 season while making three triples. You know what that equals? That was Steph Curry's first MVP season numbers. Now, I'm not saying he's Steph Curry. I'm just saying that the numbers he's been able to produce while wait, having wait, to... Say that again for me, please. That's 20 on 50, 40, 90. What? Yeah. He's killing He's yeah, he's like control. The numbers and and again, again, I get it. It's only it's only over a half season, or I think it's uh, over thirty one games as a starter. But eleven of those were on the bench. Um, he got upgraded to starter just because they couldn't have it. Like he was he was the only one propping up our our very horrible bench. But he was second. so How good much there. Was he making? The Dr. Tom, maybe we should have traded for him. Eleven million <laughs> only. This is why he was such a hot trade commodity. You guys gotta had Kelly Oubre for that. Well, here's the thing with the thing with Powell and Dre, Dre hit it on the head, right? It's like he he has a player option for eleven million next year. There's no way he was gonna take that, so he was gonna walk. And the Raptors just didn't. It, they had a choice, right? They've got approximately twenty five to thirty in cap space. They could use majority of that into resigning Powell. Or they can go out and get other pieces. Now, the reason why they didn't is because he's actually got quite a few defensive lapses. Now, he's not he's not an elite defender, and we know that Nurse loves his defenders. He needs two-way players. He loves two-way players. And specifically, no matter how good of an offensive player you are, if you're not playing defense, and he's had his lapses, um, that will limit your, your playing ability with him. So I think part of it was not wanting to pay his contract at that that high of a price trying to get a younger cheaper version of him and i think that they found that gary Trent jr um who's i think six years younger and you know his trajectory already where he's at is is hopefully higher than norms and is already and is already a better defender so i think that's why that trade was ha- had happened the reason why it soured with a lot of raptors fans is because they were hoping okay with someone of norm's value you probably could have gotten a center and yet we're still with aaron baines Oh, you had to end on that, didn't you? Jesus. I had to. Sorry. Okay, I just... so I thought Aaron Baines was good in the bubble last year with Boston. What happened? Uh... He was good. He was good with Phoenix. He was good with Boston. I don't know what it is with, with Nick Nurse's system that he just doesn't get. But I don't know. I don't know what it is with uh, guys who played well for Boston in the bubble because we had the uh, Brad Wanamaker experience that <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, speaking oh, of things, Warriors not- fans. Would have been great if he could play on that second unit with Clay Thompson instead of, uh, you know, Damian Lee. But eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, all right. So I'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't actually do a game preview here. So we should probably do a little bit of uh, of, of what to expect during the game. I, again, I, I've kind of prefaced this, prefaced this with... You know the Raptors. Whether they win or lose, I'm 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 okay either way. I'm actually between myself, Dre, and Jason. We always take turns doing live tweeting of the games. I actually have uh, tomorrow's game, so um, I'll, I'll give anyone a heads up. Don't expect me to be all like, "Oh, oh my gosh, we're losing." I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I've kind of ditched that uh, that that persona. Now it's like, uh, hey, so... we didn't lose by twenty. Woohoo! No, wow. I, I'm, I'm, my, my glass half full approach for the rest of the season is going to be, hey, let, let, I'm going to point out the positives that I'm seeing from the young guys, right? Because Nurse is going to be playing more of Malachi Flynn. Nurse is going to play more of, you know, he, he's. I would like to see him play less actually of Lowry and less of Siakam. Actually, Lowry's not even playing tomorrow. But what I'm getting you at and is, me both. You don't want. <laughs> you don't want to overextend your guys who are going to be your core next year. And 
Fred Van Vliet is among the league leaders in minutes. I I hope that that goes down. But basically, my point is, uh, I'm just hoping to see some some growth from the young guys, some more chemistry from our core, and some sort of success, uh, at least some sort of recovery or point in the right direction for the guys that are specifically recovering from COVID. Um, but that's kind of my my outlook on the game. I'm not expecting a win. Um, but what do you guys think uh, from the Golden State side? What are you expecting out of this game? Well, we're coming into it uh, with, uh, you know, a couple of guys who uh, picked up some injuries in tonight's game against uh, Miami. Uh, Kevon Looney and Jordan Poole both, uh, you know, had had to leave because of uh, injuries. It obviously remains to be seen at this point uh, if if they're out. And I think the second game of a back to back, admittedly, it's, you know, you're you're in. Florida it's an inter-Florida thing because you're playing in Tampa but uh, it's still it's like a game of back-to-back this is where the at least for me the as Kerr has put it you know this the the real NBA uh, this is where it you know kind of comes in because you know a couple years ago it's like oh yeah we're gonna go against you know a team in this position like the Raptors are it'd be like and you're just going to go and take care of business and get out with the win, and that's what you're expecting. But, you know, between those injuries, the the variable, and just you don't know, um, you know, kind of what you, you know, you know what you're going to get from Steph, you know, Draymond, you know, Wiggins, but at some point, like, this isn't, that that's proved, not proven to be enough even against uh, kind of, you know, teams sort of in the middle of the pack. So I'd expect they, you know, lost this game to Miami. So I think they'll be looking to get back uh, and get a, get a win uh, to balance that out after that. But, you know, I, I don't know. I do think that uh, going through and looking at some of the, the, who the Raptors will be without, that makes me feel, you know, a little bit, I don't know, better, a little bit like some that Steph can get going and it can be, you know, one of those games where he just kind of puts his, his stamp on it early and that's the kind of what dictates it. But I could also see it being, a, you know, a close back and forth game. That game uh, in San Francisco earlier in the year, admittedly, um, the red, their players playing who the Raptors either don't have now, either because they're out or because they've been traded or whatever. But, uh, you know, it was close. So I might expect, um, you know, it, uh, it, it, I could foresee it being close or if depending on the kind of the uh, chemistry, how the locker rooms feel and how the Raptors are feeling after this rough uh, March uh, that they had, you know, they might kind of, you know, a couple of big shots from Curry and it might, you know, there might be a sort of a uh, folding going on. So I, I, like I said, it's, it's, I kind of, don't know. I'm hoping for a win, especially after losing in Miami. But you just don't know with this team right now, just because of that's that's about where this team is in terms of its talent. It can, can win and it can. You know, they're a slightly below 500 team, so that would check out. Yeah, and in terms of the the names you mentioned on who's out, so that's Kyle Lowry, Rodney Hood, Patrick McCaw, Jalen Harris, the three time champion Paul Patrick Watson. McCaw. That is three time champion Patrick McCaw. Don't you forget and Paul Watson. That's five five guys plus the Raptors have two open roster spots right so you're looking at a 10-man team at best <laughs> um, two or three of which are still recovering from COVID so yeah it's, it's not looking great on the flip side uh, I guess from a, from a Raptors standpoint and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here but but the Warriors do turn over the ball at a high rate and the Raptors are number one at creating turnovers I could see a scenario where the, where the Raptors kind of try to get that fast break going but then on the flip side the 
the Golden State Warriors have an outstanding transition defense. So like I, I like the the strength of the first strength here, whereas the Raptors have always had a a top three, top two transition offense, but they're facing a Warriors team that has one of the best transition Ds in the league. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that turnover battle plays out and if it ends up working in Toronto's favor uh, or or not. As it pertains to the another area that the Raptors are really struggling with, and I pointed out a couple times here, is the offensive rebounding. Now, the Warriors aren't aren't one of the, the the best offensive rebounding teams, but you know, just in that earlier matchup between these two, they they got 12, 13 or twelve or thirteen offensive boards, which is above their 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 season average. So I don't know. I I lean towards this. This is going to be another tough game to watch as a Raptors fan, and uh, I'm thinking it'll be a loss. Um, Daniel or Dre, do you guys have, have any other last thoughts on this game? Uh, oh, I think it's going to be a dogfight. In fact, this is, you guys are probably the last team that I would want to see um, on the second night of a back-to-back. On are you just trip. being nice? Are you guys just being no, nice? I, I'm serious. I'm, I'm dead serious. This is why, right? Um, every time these two, these two teams meet, and I'm talking about before the finals, I'm talking about, you know, it was DeMar DeRozan over there. It's a dogfight. It's a dogfight every single time. Um, and now with both teams depleted, I mean, there are so many subplots here that where if this was a random game against Orlando, you know, we probably wouldn't care. I mean, that's, that's now your interstate rival, so maybe you would. Um, but for us, we'd be like, eh, okay, if we, we get down, we'll, we'll fight, but we'll see. But against you guys? Nah, nah, not with Fred Van Fleet, the guy who was busting this up in the NBA Finals. Not with Pascal Siakam, the guy who humiliated Draymond in a game six. Um, not not, not uh, Aaron Baines, who was the guy who flipped over Stephen Curry uh, last year and broke his hand, which is the reason he missed most of the year. And did you know Ooh, Steph Curry uh. says that that injury was the worst injury he's ever had in his career because it took so long for the bone heel? Yeah, he's had Aaron Baines circled on his calendar for quite some time, I'm sure. Um, and then you have the, uh, the, uh, um, the battle between... Uh, Okay, you know what? This is a complete joke, okay? The white privilege coaches, okay? Because they, they both came after black men who had took those teams out of the mud. And then what happened? When the black guys get them close, the, the, the white coaches come in with their strategies and their plays and, you know, their schemes. Okay, you know what? Honestly, uh, Nick Nurse and Steve Kerr are excellent coaches. I was just playing. It's just an obvious angle to play up. I don't believe that at all. Maybe a little bit. Anyway, um, you got that matchup there. Nick Nurse... Probably thinks he's a better coach than Steve Kerr. He's like, I've been at the boxing one at the pro level, baby. I'm a schemer, <laughs> all right? I wear glasses. I'm serious about this. I'm a nerd, right? <laughs> Steve Kerr's going to be like, this guy is not going to – this guy couldn't even play basketball. I'm a, I'm an eight-time champion. All hell no. So I, the coaching match is going to be out of this world. And then don't forget, wow, the the the, the, the lost but not forgotten Warriors – Chris, um, how you say his name? Butcher? Boucher? Boucher. 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 You got to say well, over here. This this guy was supposed to be, you know, one of our draft picks that panned out. You know, he's like a Kevin Durant type prototype, allegedly. Um, he wasn't for us, but he's he's balling pretty good for you guys. And there's Patrick McCall, the prodigal son. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of subplots going into this game. A lot of subplots. And last but not least, Andrew Wiggins. You guys brought him up. Doesn't want to play for Team Canada. What's he going to do to Canada's team? And and I think uh, something that maybe we haven't mentioned, uh, and it connects with the uh, Raptors' woes at the center position, uh, James Wiseman, who we haven't talked a ton about today, uh, has certainly had his uh, struggles and is having a hard – again, granted, because he's a 19-year-old who – 
played three college games, as I've said on many other places, like I could barely, you know, get my act together uh, when I was 19. I'm not going to play professional basketball, but going up against a team that uh, is a little deficient when it comes to the center position might be what uh, Wiseman needs to have a big game to get rolling. So he's someone who uh, I'd be kind of curious to see how he plays and maybe if he could take that opportunity of not having to, you know, bang against a real sort of elite big man uh, and uh, could uh, get get back on track uh, after kind of scuffling in this uh, recent stretch of games. I'll tell you one thing, Kyle Lowry better not be barking from the bench of Red Draymond, or we're going to start a war up in this thing. We're going to start a war, okay? <laughs> Can you take a charge while sitting on the bench? Uh, Kyle Lowry will try to find out. <laughs> uh, I love Kyle Lowry, but you know he's going to go up to the referee with like both his hands out, like, hey, hey, what is that? Like, it happens once a game. <laughs> We used to get a we used to get technical fouls once a game, you know that kind of slowed down for a bit. So it, it's just going to happen. I, I will say this: Wiseman's career high so far, obviously early in his career, but his career high uh, just last week or two weeks ago, five offensive rebounds is his career high. I can guarantee good. you, he's going to get more than five against the Raptors. That's my one <laughs> prediction. I will. Make. It's going to be like thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, I wish we could talk more, um, but uh, I think we should wrap this up. Uh, before we do our sign-offs, I got to say, Dr. Tom, Daniel, this was a whole lot of fun. We got to ha- have you guys back, yeah, thank especially you, when the, the Raptors and Warriors face in the championship in 2023. Um, <laughs> but before before I, me and Dre do our sign-off, the floor is yours, guys. Promote whatever the heck you want to promote because uh, we love hearing from you. Dr. Tom is a um, an excellent author, okay? Um, Dr. Tom, would you mind telling the people your book that they should pick up? You can pick it up on Amazon. It's called uh, Golden Age, the Brilliance of the 2018 Golden State Warriors. So if you're a Warriors fan listening to this and you want to relive that 2018 glory, if you're a Raptors fan, you want to, you know, see how the uh, – the, the your, your noisy downstairs neighbors uh, celebrated title uh, you could read that too but uh, my work cannot compare to the great uh, writing uh, and occasional video uh, multimedia work that uh, my good friend and partner Daniel does for uh, let's go warriors.com it's really a uh, it's great working with them because you know you're working with a, a real uh, you know a genius a true craftsman and so I'm oh, always excited to so see what he what, what, what he's cooking up it's the best part of uh best part of going to let's go warriors.com is seeing what daniel's making you are so sweet i think the best part of going to let's go warriors.com is seeing us uh attack wwws for all of his takes um that's that's the best part of it um for, okay so um you know honestly final note um dr tom do you realize that if this whole experiment doesn't work out you may be the guy who wrote the last championship book for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> That's that a pretty cool honor. Maybe it, man. Uh, now we, we for for that reason alone, we got to win more titles. Because like I, you know that 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 would uh, not do credit to this dynasty if it, the 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 written word note that it goes out on is penned by yours truly. It's like now nah, we got you got to have something like Marcus Thompson is writing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, guys, we, we we love being on here. Thank you so yeah. much for having us. Um, Thank you for it, for joining yeah, us. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, and um, again, we we definitely got to to do another pod together. Uh, Dre, where where can uh, our listeners find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. Follow my movie or film uh, editorial and review website, Films Fatale, F-I-L-M-S, F-A-T-A-L-E dot com, no spaces. Um, completely like off topic here. My top 100 films of the 1920s is coming out uh, uh, this Monday. So that's going to be like, I think it's like 97 different silent movies. One of them's like over 10 hours, something ridiculous. So. You got man with a movie camera on there. Is that the is that the twenties? That's making my documentary list. Uh, so okay. I've made a separate list. So you can't you can't forget uh, Vertov. You can't like like the guy's a genius. But yeah, yeah that the Met- Metropolis. That's also got to be on there. What the hell are you guys talking about? Is Space Jam on there? <laughs> is Space Jam on there? If Space Jam came out in the nineteen twenties, god damn, I don't even want to know. It's like it's like the 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 token uh, all star in that in that movie is gonna be like. Oh no, I've got to win the game, basically. Uh, uh, no, like, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, because it's very obvious Metropolis is ranked number one. So you can also follow my um, my movie podcast, The K-Cut. We're doing our latest episode of the Cinematic Smorgasbord, where we give each other movies to watch that we've never seen before. We got some weird crap this week, so check it out. Nice. Thank you, Dre. And you can find me at on Twitter at Rosalosaurus. Find my weekly column, The Wrap-Up, which looks at the Raptors games of the week every Monday on Raptors HQ, which is also where you're finding this pod, where you can find this pod on all your podcatchers. Uh, Jason is not here, and we do miss him, and he usually does a way better send-off than what I'm about to do. But uh, thanks again for listening. Remember uh, to catch us on Twitter at That's a Wrap Pod. Again, as we mentioned earlier, Jason... Dre and myself, we all take turns uh, live tweeting each game, and we can't wait to tweet about this Warriors game uh, Friday evening. And I guess that's it for for the wrap-up, and thanks again for listening, and until next time, that's a wrap.